Hey, it's good to see you today. Welcome to our Journey Through Scripture podcast. Um, this is our Tuesday edition. It comes out every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, we're journeying through the Scripture, and we're going through in a chronological order. So glad that you have joined us today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, and we are in the, the Gospels, so we're kind of skipping around to all different uh, points in the Gospels, especially where there's uh, the similar stories that are happening. Um, and so we are going to be looking at Matthew uh, 17 uh, and 18 today, uh, as well as Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9. So Matthew 17 and 18, Mark 9 and Luke 9. All right, so Matthew chapter 17. Um, remember, uh, Jesus has just talked with the disciples and Peter has given um, his uh, proclamation that Jesus is the Christ um, and Jesus promises uh, that some will will see the the, the kingdom and its glory right the, the uh, before they die well that's kind of going to happen here at the Transfiguration it also happens you know you can make the case that it also happens whenever Jesus is resurrected. Um, but in Matthew chapter 17, um, the first 13 verses there is the, uh, the transfiguration. So it's this interesting thing where Jesus goes up uh, on, the, uh, on a mountain. He brings uh, Peter, James, and John with him. Those are kind of the, uh, the, the inner sanctum, if you will, right? The, the, those three are clearly, um, they, they were there for the healing or the rising, uh, excuse me, whenever Jesus um, brought the little girl back from the dead, it was Peter, James, and John. Um, and remember, Jesus is telling them, now, I don't want you telling all of this to people, but I'm wanting you to see these things. I, because he's, Jesus is helping them strengthen their faith and better understand fully who he is. Um, because again, their idea of the Messiah um, was very different than who Jesus was. So he's He's not only proving to them that he is the Messiah, but he's also having to help them change their way of thinking about who the Messiah is and what he is going to do. He is not going to raise up an army and overthrow Rome. Uh, he is not creating a political kingdom. He is creating a spiritual kingdom of God. And so you have this wonderful encounter where uh, Jesus is joined by Moses and Elijah um, and uh, Jesus is um, transfigured, is uh, made bright white. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine what that must have been like. Obviously, it was terrifying for Peter, James, and John. Um, they want to build them booths, which is probably referring to the Feast of Tabernacles, right? giving them a place to stay. Um, they want this to last a while, but it's not going to last a while. Um, but there's some interesting little connections here. Um, with Moses being there, Moses also was transfigured in a way, probably a little bit different. If you remember, whenever he encountered God on Mount Sinai, he came back with, and his face was glowing, right? Like he had to put a veil in front of his face because he had experienced the presence of God. Well, now Jesus is that presence, right? It's, it's, it's obvious who Jesus uh, is. Um, and, and then you have Elijah. So you have both the law represented by Moses, uh, who the law was given to, and the prophets uh, represented by Elijah. And God speaks. And of course, uh, Peter, James, and John hear this. 
Say, this is my son. Listen to him. So it is elevating Jesus above the law and the prophets, right? Because he is, he's the one who gave the law and called the prophets. And, and so it's, it's just making sure that uh, Peter, James, and John understood this. It's not replacing the law and the prophets. It's the fulfillment that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Um, and so it's you, just a, a really neat thing that, that you're seeing here. Um, and then, of course, Moses and uh, Elijah are, are gone, and the disciples are, are asking Jesus in verse 10, saying, uh, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus said, he has come. And he's referring to John the Baptist, right? So Jesus is, again, teaching them and convincing them that he is the Messiah, that all of these things that the scribes and the religious leaders have talked about that needed to happen, uh, that Elijah returns. Well, that he, he returned in the form of John the Baptist in a sense, right? I mean, that, that John the Baptist had that role of preparing the way for the Messiah. And now Jesus is that Messiah. Um, you see the same thing in uh, Mark chapter 9. Um, and then in Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 28 through 36, you have something that is uh, a little bit different. Um, verse 30, it says, And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And, and that's interesting. So it shows that Jesus was kind of having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. And that word decease, it's a, that is talking about the process of his death. Um, you know, so that there's, there seems to have been some sort of a conversation going on where Jesus is, is visiting with them about what is about to, to come in Jerusalem. And Peter and James and John are kind of waking up, right? The, the, so they're not fully aware of that conversation is what it, what it, it appears to in Luke. Um, and, but then they, they do wake up, and in, in Luke, it's the, the same thing. Uh, Peter, James, and John's response is the same, uh, same thing. Um, and they hear, of course, the Lord saying, this is my beloved uh, son. Uh, hear him. Listen to him. Um, so it's very, very interesting there. I, I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's this clear passing from Moses um, who, you know, brought the people out of Egypt, uh, brought them out of slavery into the promised land. And, and now the fulfillment uh, of the ultimate Messiah is being found in Jesus. Um, it's this, this passing from the law and the prophets to Jesus, um, who, again, continues to uphold the law and the prophets, but is clearly the fulfillment of them. Um, then uh, you go, and again, this is a back and forth thing. So in Matthew chapter 17, you have the transfiguration um, where the disciples are seeing some amazing things and Jesus is asking them, be careful. Don't, I don't want you sharing all of this just yet. Um, and then we see the disciples' lack of faith. And so in chapter 17, there's the, the story that uh, a guy comes up and tells, uh, tells the Lord, uh, hey, your disciples weren't able to heal my uh, child who is possessed. And uh, verse 17 in Matthew says, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Um, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. 
uh, the child was cured from that very hour. I, I thought that's interesting. You, you nearly you can see this frustration that Jesus has with the faithlessness of the generation. It's like they're, they're not fully getting it. Don't they understand my spiritual kingdom, what I'm here to do? Um, you know, and, and how, how many of us have thought that too? Look at the generation and the faithless generation, but yet what what's going to happen? That generation is actually going to, to change the world because of the way that they um, live their lives and proclaim what they've experienced and learned from Jesus. So yeah, it was a faithless generation, but, but God... God worked through it, and I, I pray that he's able to work through our faithlessness um, and that we are able to, to grow and mature just as the disciples have. Um, verse 20 um, or 19, the uh, disciples came to Jesus and said, why could we not cast out that demon? And he said, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as the mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Um, and it says, uh, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. So Jesus is starting to be a little more overt with telling them what is to come and what is going to be happening, which is why he needs them to have that faith. Um, he needs them to overcome their unbelief and kind of be all in, if you will, um, that, that understanding who Jesus is, the type of Messiah that he is going to be. Uh, Mark chapter 9, 14 through 32, also has the same uh, similar story, has a few uh, more dialogue, um, and uh, verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Talking about the, the child who uh, he cast the demon out of. Um, father said, from childhood and often he is thrown both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And I, I love this response, uh, this honest response of the father Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? I love that because he's, he's acknowledging the doubts. He's acknowledging sometimes the struggle to believe, but he wants to believe and he's trying to believe. But those doubts are just going to come at, come at us from all different directions. And we, I, I, I love that, that ask, Lord, I do believe. But help me in my unbelief. Um, I, I think that's a, a good prayer for for all of us. Uh, and so, of course, Jesus um, cast cast out. And again, he tells the disciples. He said, "This this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting of developing that that spiritual relationship uh, with God." Um, Luke chapter nine thirty seven through forty five. Um, uh, again, has this much shorter. Um, again, Jesus predicts his death. Um, and, you know, this in verse 45 of Luke 9 says, but they did not understand the saying and it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him uh, about this saying. Right. So Jesus is telling him that he's going to end up dying. Um, and they just they can't comprehend because, again, they are, they are thinking of Jesus the Messiah as this 
political conquering hero. Um, and he is going to conquer, but it's going to be in a different way. It's going to be conquering sin and death through his own death and resurrection. Um, then we have uh, getting into the, the rest of Matthew chapter 17 uh, through chapter 18, verse 9. Um, it kind of talks about the kingdom of God and, and our, our place in the kingdom of God. You have this interesting thing whenever they're in C Capernaum and they're approached and asked, do you pay the temple tax? And, uh, and Jesus uses that as an opportunity and he says, um, uh, who, who is taxed? Um, by the by, kings of the earth, do they take from their sons or from their strangers? And the disciples uh, answer, "Well, the the strangers." And, and Jesus says, "But the sons are able to enter freely." Um, he's talking about the kingdom of God. That all uh, there there are no barriers. You don't have to pay uh, to get into the kingdom of God. That all are welcome uh, to come into the kingdom of God. Um, and then you have this. Uh, cool little uh, miracle that Jesus says, go to the catch of fish and you'll find enough to pay the temple tax. Kind of an interesting thing. Um, then in chapter 18, uh, one through nine, there's kind of talking about the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, right? The disciples are wanting to know what's, what's the pecking order going to be. And then Jesus calls a little child, says, set him in the midst, said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted, and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one uh, little child like this in my name receives me. Right? So again, it's about that, that faith, that believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And then he talks about um, the, uh, the gravity of sin. And um, it says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and if you were drowned in the depths of the sea. Um, and then uh, verse 7 uh, of chapter 18, Matthew 18, woe to the world because of offenses or sinfulness, right? For offenses must come. They're going to come because we live in the fallen world. It says, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. That's very interesting uh, there that Jesus is saying, yes, there are going to be offenses and we're going to have to deal with that, but don't be the one who is causing the offense. Um, and you know, whatever it says, it would be better for a millstone to hung around his neck than to deceive one of these little ones. Um, I think we are, we're entering into a time in our culture where our culture is intentionally deceiving our children um, more than it has in the past. Um, and I, I believe there, maybe there's, there's, there, there may be lots of millstones to go around and we want to make sure that we, we do not deceive um, our children, that we do not lead them to a path um, of, of unbelief, a path that leads away from God, but we need to make sure we're leading them on a path towards God. Um, and then uh, Matthew there at the end of uh, or verses eight and nine, it's uh, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Um, it's better for you to enter uh, into life lame or maimed, um, right? So it's this you know, obviously not literal, but saying cut out that sinfulness in your life. Quit participating in it 
in it. Um, Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 50, has the same uh, kind of discussion of who's going to be the greatest. Um, in verse 39 of Mark chapter 9, um, it says, uh, do not forbid him to, oh, sorry. So they have, uh, Jesus has the, whoever receives um, uh, the little child receives me. He has that the same discussion we saw in Matthew. Um, but then the John asked him, said, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we told him not to because he's not part of the group, right? And uh, Jesus says, do not forbid him. For one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he is not against us, for he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And what, what that's talking about is there, there may be people who do things a little bit different and, and, and go about things in a different way. But if they're doing it in the name of Jesus, if they are for Jesus, then, then they can be for us. We don't have to see them as the enemy. Um, but then Mark continues on. I think this is important because sometimes we skip over things like this that Jesus says. Um, uh, this is starting in uh, verse 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him for a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And of course, that's that's a an, an illustration of how serious that that is. It says if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And then Jesus says that two more times um, that that there is. There, there are consequences to living in sin, to continually sinning intentionally and not asking for repentance and not striving to, to change our life, to, to look uh, like that of Jesus's. Um, there, there will be some sort of repercussions of that. And Jesus specifically says here three times um, that, that that repercussion is is hell that you will be cast into hell. Um, you know, just it's important for us not to skip over those aspects of who Jesus is. Um, Luke chapter nine, 46 through 50. Um, there's the dispute of who's greatest, uh, again. Um, and, and then you have, uh, the same interaction, um, with the guy casting out the demons and in verse 50, but Jesus said to him, do not forbid him for he who is not against us, is on our side, right? So uh, those who are not actively working against Jesus, um, you know, that, th that is who he's warning. Uh, do not be actively working against uh, the kingdom of God. All right, so for Thursday, let's look at John chapter seven and eight. So actually seven, eight, and nine. Mm -hmm. Can we get to 10? 7, 8. Let's do that. John 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay? So that's four chapters, 7 through 10, on John for Thursday. All right? We will see you then. Thanks for joining us.